is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. The Democrats are in disarray on Capitol Hill. Pelosi's surrendering to the progressives, and it's uh, it's a civil war. Beautiful thing to watch. Welcome to the Mark Levin Show. It is me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, your fellow Levinite, and from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Yeah, Pelosi came out and gave one of her rambling, incoherent press conferences a short time ago, saying that they're going to vote for the infrastructure bill. They know they don't have the votes for because the party obviously is run by Marxists completely now. So they know they don't have the votes. And the other bill is not scored, but they're going to push for this anyway. And the other interesting part about this now is the Democrats have agreed on a massive tax break for themselves. That's right, for blue states. They have agreed on a massive tax break for themselves. And you really got to admire the hubris of these people, right? After getting shellacked on election night, losing in Virginia, losing in Jersey, and regardless of the governor's race, which has not been decided yet, by the way, but I'll get to that, uh, many seats in the state legislature were flipped, including the most powerful Democrat in the state legislature, Steve Sweeney, who's a Democrat who, as you might know, was beat by a truck driver named Ed Durr, listener of mine, back on our home station at WPHT in Philadelphia. And Ed's now a senator, senator-elect. And the guy is, uh, is, it's funny because nobody thought he could do it, but he did it. And he's been ushered in in this red wave. And it's beautiful to see. Also in Pennsylvania, too, school board elections. It's just been the year of the parent taking over, saying we want control again. So the Democrats watch that shellacking happen. And what do they do? Well, they double down on calling you a racist. That's number one. Then they decide they're going to give themselves a tax break. And the only thing they can think of to possibly try to save their, quote unquote, moderate members. Now, let's understand something first and foremost about what a moderate Democrat is in this day and age. Uh, There is no such thing. It's like snuffleupagus or anything like this. It doesn't exist. But what it is, is a, a Democrat in a moderate district. Okay, so if you're a Democrat in a district that could be Republican, then you pretend like you're a moderate. That makes sense. So you're not moderate. But the district is. And with redistricting going on, it could actually become more moderate. It could become more Republican. So now there's four in particular in New Jersey, for example, four districts like that. And they're all over the place around the country. Pennsylvania has a bunch. And there's not many left, though. You have to realize not many left. They've done a a good job of making sure that every Democrat in the House of Representatives is an extremist, no doubt about it. But there are some who are in districts. Take mine right outside of Philly in South Jersey. This guy down there named Andy Kim. Or up in North Jersey, there's a guy named Josh Gottheimer. I know Mark talked about him last night on the show. And Mark said, I don't mean to pick on him. Yeah, I do. Good, he should. Gottheimer and Andy Kim, North Jersey, South Jersey, both of these two guys are pretending that they're moderates. There's nothing moderate about them. I mean, understand this. They're not moderates. If if the district was a little bit more kooky and just like one one more blue town or something, they'd be all in on AOC and the others all in. But by virtue of the fact that a Republican used to have the district and could have it again. And by virtue of the fact that redistricting is going on now and they could just tweak it, you know, just a little bit. Move a town here, a town there, you know, a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there. So they're pretending like they're moderates. They're centrists, you see. They want to work with both sides and form consensus. So they watched in horror what happened Tuesday night. (laughs) Watched in horror, as they should. An absolute rejection 
of the Democrats' agenda, an absolute rejection. And then they realized we have nothing that we can offer the people that voted for us here because we all campaigned on something called restoring the SALT deduction. You might know this, the state and local tax deduction. The Democrats vowed they were going to restore it. The Republicans got rid of it. What is it exactly? So you've got a big house in a, in a really rich part of the country, in a really blue state, like New Jersey, for example, where they do nothing to control spending, where they do nothing to control government. They do nothing to rein in the cost of taxes. So every year, your property taxes go up and go up and go up until suddenly you turn around and you go, I'm paying $80,000 a year in property taxes. Yeah, in some places you're paying even more than that. So they used to be able to deduct all that money. Then the Republicans came in and said, wait a second, why are we subsidizing blue states? Why why are we allowing them to write this off? I mean, this is the money that's being paid to the state. If the state doesn't want to embrace fiscal policies, why should every other American taxpayer give a subsidy to a blue state? So we're killing it. And they killed it. They killed the salt deduction. Now, it hurt a lot of people who are homeowners. But, of course... That's kind of our fault for still living here. I mean, really, it is. It's kind of our fault for living in a state that is still so blue and may reelect a socialist king as governor. May. We'll get to that a little bit later, but it's not decided yet. Point is, today they agreed on restoring the salt deduction from $10,000, where it's capped now, to $80,000. So think about this now, right? The Democrats get shellacked on Tuesday night. They get killed in Virginia. They get killed in Jersey. They get killed in Pennsylvania. They get crushed. And what do they do? They give themselves a tax break because it's primarily going to impact blue states. Think about it. Blue states have the highest property tax rates because blue states don't know how to control their spending. So their spending is off the charts. The taxes go up. Taxes keep going up. They've got multiple layers of government multiple this, multiple that, and as a consequence, highest property tax rates in America. And instead of turning around and going, all right, you know what? Here's what we got to do. We got to make sure that we're, uh, we're helping working people in this country. Let's stop the war on energy. Let's stop the war on oil, natural gas, because people can barely afford to heat their homes this winter. Let's try to do something about the supply chain. Let's, let's try to be less dependent on OPEC instead of actually laughing in people's faces when they ask what we can do to get more oil, like Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm did. I'll play that audio for you. No, instead they turn around and they say, we lost because you're racist, and also let's give ourselves a tax break. Sounds good. And that's exactly what they've decided to do here. It's amazing to me. So now the one thing the Democrats need to do when they go back for midterms next year, and they're going to get, I mean, if this stays the way it is, barring something else, it's going to be a shellacking like we have not seen since probably... Oh, I'd say, what, 1994, maybe, when Newt Gingrich and the Republican Revolution was ushered in? It's going to be that bad. It's going to be that. They know it, too. So a couple of these Democrats in those, quote-unquote, moderate districts, remember, they're not moderate. The district is. All right? It's just a very important point I want to make clear tonight on the Mark Levin Show. They're not moderate. The district is. So... They need to go back to all their constituents and say, I know everything stinks right now. I know you're paying a lot in gas. You're paying a lot to heat your house. You're paying a lot for food. You're paying a lot for everything. I get it. I know. But we gave you the salt deduction back, right? So these Democrats who are running in these districts will be able to go back, if this passes, and tell their very, very rich constituents who usually vote Democrat, look, gave you back your big deduction. Now reelect me. Meanwhile, 
in outside of the bubble in you know real America where people work for a living and don't pay $80,000 a year in property taxes because they're just not super, super rich and they're working for a living, what are the Democrats doing for them? The answer is nothing, making everything more expensive for them. The price of goods, the price of labor, what labor, like where's the labor, right? I mean, where is it? Still a massive labor shortage. And these voters are the very ones that are turning around and saying, yeah, no, we're not, we're not doing this anymore, as what they showed us on Tuesday night. In fact, so much so that you had Democrats coming out and saying for the first time, I literally voted Republican Tuesday night because of Joe Biden, because that's how bad things are getting. And I've always voted Democrat before. Or I voted Democrat. I voted for Joe Biden because I didn't like Trump's tweets. And now I realize I don't like the country, how the country is being run. So it's like tweets, you know, you, you, you balance it on a scale tweets or the entire economy collapsing before my very eyes. And you go, well, maybe the tweets aren't as bad. Then secondly, you have all these Democrats turning around who voted for Republican and saying, all right, I didn't realize it'd be this kooky. I know you warned us, but I didn't think it was going to be this nutty in terms of what they're trying to pass on Capitol Hill. I mean, think about it. We're watching right now as Joe Manchin stands up there and gets his car surrounded in the parking garage at the United States Capitol, where a bunch of people in his own party are not letting him drive away. As they scream at him and yell at him, this is after, of course, they went into the bathroom. You remember with Senator Kirsten Cinema? And they yelled at her as she was in the bathroom, literally doing her business in the bathroom. And they're yelling at her in the stall of the bathroom. This is their party. This is who they are. And they got nothing to run on. I mean, they have nothing to run on. They're probably not going to get their infrastructure bill passed. And they need to, because if they don't, then they're going to go back to their constituents next year and say, well, we can't really tell you we got much, but we got you that salt deduction. So now you can you can deduct more on your taxes, even though you Democrats always talk about people needing to pay more, more fair share of taxes. And even though this is going to affect some of the wealthiest Americans in the country and some of the wealthiest states in the country, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, we're still going to pretend like we're for the working the working man, the little guy. We're still going to pretend that uh huh, with a straight face. Look at us. It's amazing. It really is. The absolute hubris of these people never ceases to amaze me. You would think that they would Wednesday morning gather around and go, all right, we got to really change course here because as it stands right now, we are going to be extinct. We're going the way of the dinosaurs here. So why don't we call up Joe Manchin, call up Kirsten Cinema, sit down at the table and try to work something out here and get something passed and tell the American people, all right, we got it. You don't want all this kookiness. You don't want all this Marxism and socialism. Fine, we get it. So we're going to radically scale back the build back Bolshevik plan that we've been proposing. We're going to cool our jets here. We're going to just give you infrastructure. And we're not going to put things in there that aren't infrastructure like teeth and eyeglasses and hearing aids, whatever other little thing Bernie Sanders is putting in there today. We're just going to focus on infrastructure. And we're going to take out all those electric vehicle charging stations, too, because you don't want those either. You'd think that's what they would do. I mean, that's what a smart party would do. That's what pragmatic people would do, but they're not pragmatic. They're radicals. They're extremists. They're extremists. And, and like terrorists holding their own party hostage, they're, they're not going to change. I mean, you realize that, right? They're not going to change. They, for them, it matters more about passing their agenda than it does about winning. Because like every other radical... All they care about is, is, is their objective. That's it. They care about their objective, and they think they're right. So in other words, if you're not in, it's because you're a racist or you're stupid. So if you don't support their ideas, 
They're not going to change to you because you need to change to them. They're smarter than you. Come on. They know better than you. And you're just a silly little racist person over there with your conspiracy theories about CRT. I mean, that's what I heard the last two days. Did you hear anything different? Because I didn't. I heard countless person going on TV and explaining why they lost and blaming it on the voters who didn't vote for them. Not not blaming their policies, not blaming the terrible way they talk to us and insult us and mock us and belittle us and put us down. No, 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 no. It's uh, it's just our fault. It's our fault for not seeing how wonderful all this is. For not seeing how wonderful it is when they teach our children that uh, white people are terrible. Or uh, how wonderful it is when they want to spend us into absolute oblivion. How wonderful it is when they want to spend money on things that we literally just don't have the money for. And how, how, how wonderful it is that they want to destroy oil and natural gas. The fact that we don't see that is our fault, not theirs. It's our fault. So they're going to keep going. And the best part about it is they're going to lose and they're going to get shellacked in the midterms, like I said. But in order to give their constituents something to try to save those Democrats in those crucial moderate districts, they're now going to give them a massive tax deduction by restoring the state and local tax deduction in the wealthiest states of America, in the wealthiest districts in America that primarily happen to be, you guessed it, Democrat leaning districts. It's amazing. Really is amazing. 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show. It is me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. It's great to be with you tonight. we got a lot to discuss. Boy, these Marxists are at it, no doubt about it. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. You're thinking, but Rich, anytime we get a deduction on taxes, isn't that a good thing? Well, it would be if this wasn't exactly done to mask and camouflage the trillions of dollars in new spending that they're trying to push through. See, the reason why they're doing this, putting in this SALT deduction again, which right now is capped at $10,000, it's going to go up to $80,000. The reason why they're doing this is in these moderate districts, uh, these Democrats are not going to vote for this massive socialist spending bill. They, they can't because they know it's very unpopular at home. So what the trade-off is, is, hey, you can go back and tell your really wealthy constituents in the wealthy districts and some of the wealthiest blue states in America, got you your SALT deduction back. Look at you. You're going to get a big, massive tax cut. But in exchange, we want your vote on the trillions and trillions of spending in the socialist Marxist spending bill. That's a deal. 
So while you think to yourself, oh, great, I'll get to deduct more of my taxes. No, you're not going to actually. Don't fall for this. Because the amount of spending that they're pushing through is going to negate any tax deduction you get. And also, it's also going to give the Democrats in these blue states just another excuse to spend whatever they want. Because then they turn around and they go, what do you care? You just deduct it off your taxes. Who cares if your taxes go up, your property taxes go up? Just deduct it. doesn't matter. You just write it off. Just write it off. So it's incredibly cynical. It really is. It really is very cynical. And the thing about it is they put it back in this afternoon. No press conference. Didn't even tell anybody about it. They just tucked it back into the bill. And then the speaker comes out, Pelosi, and she gives this rambling, incoherent press conference about how she's going to ask for a vote. And at the time, everybody said, wait a minute, what what's the basis for this? Well, the basis for this is she thinks that by putting back in the salt deduction, she can get the moderates to go along with the spending bill, which will make the, the progressive Marxist kooks happy. And then they can get the infrastructure bill done. You see? So by you being able to maybe get a little bit more of a tax deduction on your property taxes, the cost of it is about $8 trillion. So I hope it's worth it. That's what I mean. I hope it's worth it. I hope the extra five grand you'll be able to deduct off your taxes is worth the additional $8 trillion in spending. Because that's the trade-off. That's what's happening here. And because they all think we're stupid, they're going to do this and they're going to turn around and they're going to tell everybody, hey, listen, you know, we got you this big tax cut. What do you care? What are you worried about? What are you worried about? They think we can't do math. They think that we don't understand how numbers work. No, we understand perfectly well. This is so that you can give the moderates some cover, quote unquote moderates, again, or people in moderate districts, and then they can turn around and give us the biggest spending we've seen in this nation's history. And you'll get a little bit more to deduct, and all it will cost you is trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. Amazing, right? Amazing. And instead of, like I said, on Tuesday, turning around and going, all right, maybe we we just really hear reverse course. They are going all in full steam ahead on spending full steam ahead on their build back Bolshevik plan. Trillions and trillions of dollars, five something trillion. They haven't scored the bill yet, so we don't exactly know how much. And then close to two trillion dollars on infrastructure. It's a fake infrastructure bill anyway. So between those two bills, you're close to eight trillion dollars. But you'll get to deduct an extra couple grand on your taxes. Don't you feel good about that? It's a scam. It's a total, total scam. It's cynical. It's jaded. But these are people that don't think you matter much. So they don't care. Just about getting the votes and winning. It's all they care about. It's Mark Levin Show. Me, Rich Gioli, coming right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. On the straight and narrow path, you have a guide. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. It is the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia, where I broadcast in WPHT and also do an afternoon podcast. Please subscribe to it. It's great to be with you tonight. So I'll tell you what. Let's understand, obviously, what little, little scam that took place this afternoon. So Pelosi comes out. She says, uh, we think we have a deal. 
Everybody turned around and said, what's changed? She said, oh, nothing. We just think we have a deal. Of course, she said it much more incoherently than that. And everybody said, okay, well, I guess, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess they're all just going to be nice to each other. You see, the real hardliners in the Democrat Party, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Jay Powell, all these other people that run the show, right? These are the, the craziest of the crazy. They're in charge. They have the votes. They have the votes, and Pelosi doesn't, even though she's Speaker of the House. So now... All these Democrats in these moderate districts in places like outside of Philadelphia and South Jersey, outside of New York and North Jersey, Pennsylvania, some other places, they got spooked Tuesday night. Who wouldn't? You watch Democrats get shellacked up and down places like Long Island, New York, of course, Virginia. You turn around, you realize, well, Republicans won in Washington. They won in Washington state. Well, this is bad. We got to do something. So they say we got to do something here. We got it. We got to get something done. We need the infrastructure bill. But the problem is that the, the, the progressive kook Marxist hardliners have said, no, we're not giving you the infrastructure bill until you vote on the big, massive Build Back Bolshevik spending plan that's about $5.7 trillion, give or take. We don't really know because they haven't scored the bill. So nothing's changed. They're still holding the bill hostage. The only thing that's changed is that Democrats in moderate districts are now afraid. They're terrified. They saw their election results Tuesday night. They don't want it to happen to them next year in midterm elections. So then they came around and they said this. They said, "Okay, here's what we can do. We can't get the Democrat, the the kooks to back off here. You know, we're not going to get Bernie Sanders and his ilk to turn around and go, all right, we'll compromise. So you need to come to them. So how about this? We'll give you this deduction called SALT, state and local tax deduction. Right now it's capped at $10,000. Used to be unlimited. Republicans cap it at 10 with the argument that we shouldn't be subsidizing blue states. Now we'll give you up to $80,000 to deduct. You go back and tell your constituents you got this done for them. You vote for their Build Back Bolshevik plan. You combine the two, we get infrastructure passed. We're now looking at about $8 trillion in new spending. That's how it played out today. That's how it all played out. And now let's think about this now, for example, right? Let's think about who benefits from this tax increase, We tax deduction. I mean, we know who has to pay for the spending. You, me, everybody else. We know that. But who benefits from the increase in the SALT deduction from $10,000 to $80,000, right? Who, who benefits? The wealthiest states in America, the wealthiest districts in America, for example, New York, top income tax rate, 14.8%. New York's a very expensive place, obviously. So if you live there, you want as many tax deductions as you possibly can get. This will give you more to deduct. But New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Illinois were among the top states where the state and local tax deduction gave people the biggest write-offs. That's right. Five of the most liberal states in America. Consequently, states like Texas and Florida, with no personal income tax, they don't really benefit from this. So the SALT tax deduction benefits basically the richest people in America. The problem, though, is that those people tend to live in some of the bluest parts of America in in really some of the most Democrat states in the country, like I just mentioned. Eighty three percent of taxpayers in the top zero point one percent would get deductions from this. Twenty percent of Americans. This is this is an interesting uh, study that they did at the Penn Wharton economic modeling. They did almost all the benefits of this would go to taxpayers in the top 20 percent of the income scale. Only. 9% of taxpayers in the bottom 80% of tax filers would get a tax cut. But some 83% of taxpayers in the top 0.1% making more than 2.5 million would get one of these deductions 
of about $17,000 or so, maybe more, maybe as much as up to 80000 So here's what that means. If you are somebody who doesn't make that much money, then what's going to happen is you're going to wind up paying for this massive spending of $8 trillion, but you don't even get the, 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 the at least the, the benefit, the fun of being able to deduct under this new increased state and local tax deduction. You don't even get that, but you got to pay for all the other stuff. So if you live in Florida, if you live in Texas, if you live in any of the red states where you might have reasonable people that know how to manage spending and manage your state income taxes and manage your state property taxes and that sort of thing, you know, in other words, people that govern like conservatives. Well, this is this doesn't help you. This doesn't help you. If you live in a, in a blue state like Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, and Illinois or Massachusetts, well, yes, then then you'll be able to deduct. If you make a lot of money, you'll be able to deduct. But you're still paying for the eight trillion dollars, still paying the eight trillion dollars in new spending. It's the most it's the biggest scam going right now in D.C. today, today. And what they're also doing now is they've decided now they're going to make it permanent through 2031, which means that even if the Republicans get control next week or next year, I should say, they won't be able to scale it back. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They got to do it. They got to do something. They got to try to get these Democrats, these moderate districts to go along with the spending because the progressive kook Marxist nutjobs are not going to come over to their side. They're not. So you got to get you got to get the Democrats in the moderate districts to come over to their side. And this is how you do it. You give them the salt deduction. And it's easy. It's easy to turn around and go, oh, yes, great. Any deduction is a good deduction. Is it if the cost of that is eight trillion dollars? Is is that in your in your world of, I mean, balancing things on the old balance sheet? Does that make sense to you? I'll give you a tax deduction up to eighty thousand dollars. But all it's going to cost you is eight trillion dollars. Because in my mind, and I'm no math guy, $8 trillion is a lot more than $80,000, right? I mean, I don't know how much. I don't, I don't have a calculator around, but it's a lot more. It's a lot more. So that's what it's going to cost you and cost our country and bankrupt our country. But now these moderate, so-called moderate Democrats will come over and vote for this. We'll get all this massive spending. And then the blue states can spend whatever they want because they'll just say, I just deducted under salt. Everybody's going to wind up paying more. We'll spend our country into oblivion. We'll spend money we don't have. We'll bankrupt generations. And we'll also get the biggest expansion of government since Franklin Delano Roosevelt. This will make the war on poverty seem like, you know, like 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 a little battle against poverty. I mean, really, it'll make Johnson's spending seem conservative compared to what's in this bill. We don't know everything that's in it. We don't know everything. We don't know every little program. We don't know the cost of everything. But we do know it's massive. And it's going to fundamentally change your relationship with government. We're talking about now providing the ability for the government to be in your life, taking care of you as a kid, little kid, preschooler, toddler, you know, three, all the way up to when you die and everywhere in between with everything you need. From housing to jobs to to income for this and that. And it's all good. You know, college, sure, pay for that too. Universal pre-K, it's in there. You bet. We will expand government and make it an even more socialist government than we already have right now. I mean, it'll eclipse anything we have now. It will It will fundamentally change this country. And that's what they want. See, the reason why the progressive kook Marxist nutjobs are not coming over to the more moderate side of the aisle where Joe Manchin lives the last Democrat on planet Earth who's actually even pretending to be a moderate. The reason why they're not coming over is because they don't want to, and they got the votes. So they're saying, look, you want infrastructure? Then you got to give us this. Give us this massive spending bill. That's how it works. 
So now these moderate Democrats who want to be able to go back to their district and show them something, anything, moderate districts, remember, they're going to go along with this. They're going to go along with this. And they're going to turn around next year and they're going to go, I didn't have a choice. They had the votes. It was going to happen anyway. At least I got you your SALT deduction back. At least I got you the ability to deduct more off your taxes based on how much you pay in state and local taxes. At least I got you that. Yeah, no, I didn't want to go along with this big, massive socialist spending. You got to understand. I didn't want to. But they had the votes. And that's a lie. Understand that's a lie. They're going to give them the votes. They're going to give them the votes they need to pass Biden's spending agenda. Biden and Pelosi and and Bernie's agenda. They're going to give them the votes. And then they'll get this salt deduction for you. See, I'm, I'm breaking it down for you because that's what you deserve, obviously, as a member of Mark's audience. And you're smart enough to figure it out. But a lot of people aren't. And so a lot of people will just hear that they're getting a salt deduction back or it's getting increased. And they'll go, all right, great. Thank you so much. That's what the Democrats are banking on. You realize that, right? That's what they're banking on. They're banking on the fact that you're stupid. They're banking on the fact that you will just think of that. You know, you'll just be distracted by the by by the the food in front of you and not think about the calories, the fat, the salt, all the other things that goes into it. Which, by the way, when I go out to dinner, that's exactly my strategy. I ignore calories and fat and salt and all the other things. But in this case, though, you got to know the details. You got to know how much it's really costing you here. All right, 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show. Mark's back Monday night. Let me take a couple calls on this, by the way. Start with Patrick. He's in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. Patrick, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. What's up? What's on your mind? Nothing. I just, you know what? We're taking it on the chin here. Why do you think a million and a half people voted for Ciccarelli? I mean, I didn't know anything about the um, about this new salt deduction putting into the uh, legislation, but... We're taking it on the chin here, and people are people like myself, and many many homeowners, and many many uh, New Jerseyans are sick and tired of it, and that's why they almost unseated Murphy. And they and, still may. You know, I, I don't. Chitterelli may still win, by the way. I don't know. I, I hear you. I hear you. But it's just a shame that you know if that's if that's what they're doing, if that's their game plan, shame on them. But I think a lot of people have seen the uh, writing on the wall, so to speak. Well, we're taking it on the chin here, and, um, you know, I don't, I don't know where else to go. I think they backed everybody into a corner here. Yeah, I, well, listen, I, I, I think that you're right in terms of the fact that everybody feels frustrated by this, but I think a lot of people in New Jersey, for example, are going to hear that they're going to get the uh, the old salt deduction put back and think it's a, it's, a, it's a gift, think they're getting a gift, and not realize what the cost of it really is, which is about $8 trillion. Well, I, I definitely don't agree with the spending, uh, out of control spending that they're looking for. Um, but but that's the only reason. Why. That's the, but, but let me. But understand this though. That's the only reason why they're putting the salt deduction back in. You understand that, right? Yes. They're they're not putting it yes. back in because they want to give you a tax break. They're putting it back in because they need the votes of those four or five Democrats in these moderate districts in these states, and that's the only way the moderates will go along with the spending. Okay. So you and I are going to okay. have to pay for the cost of $8 trillion in new spending, this massive socialist spending that they're doing in Washington, and they're going to turn around to you and they're going to say, oh, well, listen, sir, you're getting, you're getting your tax, you're, you know, you can deduct more in your taxes now based on what you pay the state of New Jersey. But you also now have to pay more to the feds because well, we, we got to pay for all this spending. So do you really think you're going to get ahead on this? Never going to get ahead in the state. 
But, I mean, this is the country. This is the feds I'm talking about here. It's federal government. You're going to get this federal deduction on your federal taxes. You'll be able to deduct more of what you're sending to Trenton on your federal taxes. But I'm asking you, do you think, really, I mean, do you think, Patrick, you're going to wind up being ahead? Probably not. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Because then in order to get that, they're going to pass $8 trillion in new spending on the federal level. And you're going to be paying for it. Because if you have, if you make the kind of money or you pay the kind of money where you're going to be able to benefit from the increased deductions of your local taxes, you're going to be paying more in federal income taxes. And you're going to be paying more on the cost of goods. You're going to be paying more on the cost of everything because somebody's got to pay for all the spending in Washington. And if it's a, if it's a, if it's a deduction someplace, you know how it is with Democrats. They'll so just find another way to make it up. Well, All right, Patrick, you know thank you for the call. I appreciate it, and thank you, and hopefully this was able to, to uh, make a little sense for you. I appreciate the call tonight to the Mark Levin Show. Again, it's, it's complicated, and, and they're banking on the fact that you will just, like a shiny little object, go, oh, good, look, 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 look. They're giving this salt deduction back and not realize what it costs you, what you have to give in exchange. This is a Faustian bargain, as they call it. And it's only done. Remember, there was no announcement about this. You're hearing about this because I'm telling you about this. There was no announcement. They didn't have a press conference about this. This isn't done because they've suddenly decided to be fiscally conservative. This isn't this, this isn't being done because they've suddenly decided that we've got to help the people in the blue states. They're crying out and we need to help them by giving them a, a tax deduction. No, 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 no. It's just done to get the votes of Democrats in moderate districts. So now they'll sign along with what the progressive Marxist kooks want. And $8 trillion of new spending will be coming our way. It's horrible. It's horrible. And it's going to bankrupt this country. And you're going to pay more. I, I, you, I guarantee you, you will pay more. There's no doubt, no doubt in my mind about that. Because the states where people make the most money or where they're going to benefit the most from this deduction, everybody else in, in Mark's vast audience across the country, if you live in Texas, boy, you're really going to get screwed on this. You really are because you, you're not deducting this kind of stuff. So you're just paying for the new stuff without even getting the benefit of the deduction. So, yeah, California's going to benefit. Oh, yeah, California will benefit. New York will benefit. Connecticut will benefit. New Jersey will benefit. Massachusetts will benefit. Uh, what do all the states have in common? They're blue states. That's what they have in common. All right, more on this here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one at WPHD. Don't fall for this. I'm telling you right now. These people are trying to get one over on you. They're counting on you not knowing the details. That's why I'm here. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. You think to yourself, all this spending, this socialist agenda that they're trying to push through, this this Marxist takeover of America, and uh, they're still going full full bore, full bore, and they got the votes now. And the way they got the votes is by this little salt deduction scam that they put back in. That's what happened today. That's what happened. And again, it's not sexy, I know, to talk about this. It's not, you know, to talk about things like deductions and how it all adds up. But here's what you need to know. From the most cynical part of America, you know, Jersey, Philadelphia, where Mark's from, where I'm from, we, we see this stuff play out. We, we see the little games that they play. And this is a game. This is a, this is a game to get the, the to get everything they want, get everything Bernie Sanders wants. They're going to pretend like they're going to give you a bigger deduction of something. That's what they're doing. And the reason why is because the Democrats know they're going to lose in midterms. They do. They know. They saw it. They saw it happen. They're going to lose in midterms. 
and they don't care because if you are in a district where it might be a moderate district, you're, you're not you're not like AOC, obviously. To be like that, to be that extreme, you're in a safe blue, solid blue district, kooky, safe Democrat district. So you don't care. You're not going to lose. You may lose the majority, but, you know, big deal. They don't like these people anyway. I mean, they don't like the people that run their party. They don't like Pelosi. So they'd be happy getting rid of her anyway. They're not worried about it. All they want to do is pass their spending bill. It's all they care about. That's what they care about. Oh, and also calling you racist, too, which is what they have also done since Tuesday night. I'm telling you, the effects of what happened Tuesday night have barely even begun to register with them yet. But some of them get it. Some of these Democrats do get it just based on where they are, you know, in terms of the fact that they're seek they could lose. But from school board elections to state Senate, state assembly, state legislative races, I mean, races for sheriff all across the country. It was a it was a red wave. It was a massive red wave. And it's a beautiful thing to see, too. Beautiful. A sane party would adjust. These are not sane people. These are extremists. So they're not going to adjust. They're going to push. They're going to push. And they're going to get their spending. Their radical Marxist socialist spending plan. You'll see. And you'll think you're getting a deduction out of it. You'll see. You'll be paying more. We all will. Big hour coming up here on the Mark Levin Show. Don't go away. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. So I'll tell you what, dossier, Russia, Russia Gate, the big scam that John Durham is slowly unraveling. A beautiful thing to watch, isn't it? This is the Mark Levin Show. Welcome back. The great one is off tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Great to be with you. 877-381-3811. So now we know definitively, obviously, that the Democrat Party lied, completely made up everything about Russia, made up this dossier. It was all made up. It was all a uh, fugazi, as we call it, back where I'm from, and that the FBI went along with it and uh, then used that to invade Americans' privacy and their civil liberties, destroy their Fourth Amendment rights, all for political purposes. And now it's all unraveling. And it was a gigantic hoax. We know that. Trump was right. It was a hoax. What a disgraceful abuse of our government resources. This is what a police state is, you know. This is what a police state is. When the when law enforcement picks a side, the federal law enforcement picks a side, and then for political purposes uses all the tools it has to go after people. That's what happened here. We're seeing it now. We're seeing it all play out. And the scary part about it is, how many people believe this nonsense? That's the crazy part. How many people believe this, that, that this Russia dossier, and, and now we know the Clinton campaign was behind the whole thing. I mean, I knew it. I, I think we all knew it, but now we know it, that the Clinton campaign was behind this entire thing. And, and the real question is, why did the FBI just go along with this? They, they use this, this, this phony, phony, steaming pile of garbage to then turn around and, and get FISAs on Americans who were doing nothing wrong. It's, it's amazing. And then what? We spent, what, $60 million investigating the whole thing, trying to bring down a president? I mean, that's the real coup. You want, you want to talk about it, an insurrection? That's your insurrection right there. Trying to use all the power of the federal government's law enforcement department to engage in politics. 
to try to affect the outcome of a political election. And that's exactly what took place here. And now we're turning around and realizing this gets even worse than we ever could have imagined in the purposes of the government's own collusion. There I say collusion here with the Clinton campaign, because that's what we're talking about. And it's, it's hard to believe we're discussing this, right? The Steele dossier. But this is this is what the FBI relied on. This is what they relied on to investigate Trump's campaign. The Steele dossier. And now Durham has obtained an indictment of this guy, Igor Danchenko, Russian, provided the information for the dossier. He's charged with lying to the FBI. But, you know, the real story here is the intersection between the Democrats, the FBI investigation, the phony claims that were made, who knew what, when. And how all this was just a giant lie. That's what we know. That's what we know. Kimberly Strasso in the Wall Street Journal points out, very, very important point. Never forget the original claim. According to the FBI, Democrats and the media, Mr. Trump harbored secret and nefarious ties with Russia. We knew that because as Mother Jones explained in a 2016 article that became the reigning storyline, Christopher Steele was a credible source with a proven record of providing reliable, sensitive, and important information. He had come across troubling evidence of Trump's collusion. He brought it to the U.S. law enforcement. He brought it to the federales, right? And then it took a year, a year for congressional investigators to reveal that the dossier had, in fact, been commissioned by this opposition research firm known as Fusion GPS. We all know that, right? Fusion GPS working for the Democrat Party, working for Hillary Clinton's campaign, and then they all started lying about it. They all started lying about it. Took years, two more years on top of that for the Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz to expose that Mr. Steele had relied on a Russian source who said he never expected Mr. Steele to present his info as fact since most of it was hearsay. Now, Durham's indictment says that this source, this guy, Dan Chenko, obtained material from a longtime Democratic operative who was active in the 2016 Clinton campaign. In other words, the Clinton campaign passed it off to this Russian guy. The Russian guy passed it off to Christopher Steele. And then Christopher Steele put it in the dossier. And then the FBI used that information to then go after Carter Page and other people within the Trump campaign. And, and, and tell everybody that, that Trump was, uh, was a Russian puppet, a Russian stooge, you see. That's what the Democrats ran on. And they knew it the whole time. They, they, they knew it. They lied. They lied to everybody about this. Hillary Clinton's campaign lied. And there were so many people in the government that were more than willing to go along with this. You know, they were just happy to go along with this. Anything to stop Trump, no matter what. And she points out here, the revelation shouldn't surprise us, given that Mr. Danchenko was never some high-level Russian in Moscow from 2005 through 2010. He worked at the Brookings Institution. That's a leftist think tank in D.C. It's not, not even close to being a Russian source. He was a PR executive number one in the indictments. He's a Clinton crony. And he was working with this guy, Charles Dolan, who had been a long time in Clinton circles. He served seven years as head of the Democrat Governors Association and was involved as state chairman of Bill Clinton's campaigns for president. So then Clinton had appointed this guy, this other guy, this Dolan guy, to this uh, advisory commission on the State Department. Right? He was a volunteer there, volunteer on Mrs. Clinton's 2016 campaign. He also had far more ties to Russians than anyone in Mr. Trump's circle because for eight years he helped handle global public relations for the Russian government. And throughout 2016, he interacted frequently with senior Russian officials and Russian embassy staff. So what does the, uh, what does the indictment tell us? In August of 2016, Mr. Danchenko 
asked Mr. Dolan, this PR guy for the Clintons, for any thought, rumor, allegation regarding the summer's resignation of Paul Manafort as Mr. Trump's campaign manager. Danchenko explained he was working on a a project against Mr. Trump. Danchenko explained that that he was working on this, you know, this this little uh, project, you know, a project. Dolan says... He'd had a drink with a GOP uh, friend of his who, who knows some of the players. And then then there was some gossip. All right. Some gossip. And and then they said now that the, the source of his was uh, was a close associate of Trump. But that's BS. It was total BS. In fact, Mr. Dolan later told the FBI he'd fabricated meeting a GOP friend. He'd simply passed off info he read in the press. But he wanted to look like a big shot. People often do that in politics, you know. They run their mouth. They want to look like a big-time guy. Get all these connections and everything like this, you know. Now, this guy, Dolan, who was feeding information to Dan Shanko, this guy traveled to Moscow in June of 2016. He planned a conference. He stayed at the Moscow Ritz-Carlton, met the general manager and the staff. He toured the presidential suite. You remember the ugliest allegation against the former president, of course, is what happened in that suite, right? With the Russian prostitutes and the, you know, you, I mean, I don't have to, you know what I'm talking about here. So he goes to the to, to the to the Russian presidential suite in the Ritz-Carlton. He's there and everything like this. Then he flies to London to give uh, Christopher Steele information for the dossier. And then and then they, they have uh, meetings, emails and calls that suggest that Dolan passed along plenty of other information to Mr. Danchenko for the dossier, which includes information he might have obtained during visits to the Russian embassy in Washington. And you know the Russians, well, they're going to monitor these people, right? I mean, if you go to Russia and you come back to the United States, you're the Russian, they're, they're going to monitor everything that's going on. So it's not as if you get to walk around Moscow and they don't know what you're doing there. So the allegation, the indictment by Durham alleges that Mr. Danchenko lied about Mr. Dolan's interaction with the dossier when the Bureau belatedly tried to check the dossier's accuracy. The indictment says all this deprived the FBI of the ability to learn about the reliability, motivations, and potential bias of the Democratic source. But here's the part where I got to say, you know, I got to question this here. All right? Because... We know that there are people inside the FBI. I mean, we know that, that Lisa Page and uh, Peter Strzok, right? Peter Strzok, they, we know that they were completely against Trump. We know this. So they, they, they have this dossier. They want it to be true. They believe that it's true. They don't even try to verify anything. They just go with it. They run with it. They do nothing to f- try to figure out, or worse, they literally have no interest in trying to figure out whether or not it's true. And then what we do now is we we aid the FBI, the government now aids the dossier in becoming true because they open up investigations trying to verify it. So think about this now. This is a this is a, a, a Democrat Party creation. It's a Hillary Clinton Democrat Party creation. And then the FBI decides that they're going to investigate the claims made in it, which then gives it credibility. And not only do they investigate claims in it, this goes on for how many years? This goes down for how many years? The Clintons created this thing. The DNC, along with the Clintons, they created this steaming pile of lies. And the Federal Bureau of Investigation, all the people that were inside, the Department of Justice, the FBI, we don't know how big this goes. They just said, okay, well, let's use this now as the basis to start going after people in the Trump campaign. I keep going back to what um, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page kept saying about how they wanted to stop Trump. You know, we'll stop it. We'll stop this guy. They had all the tools to stop it. They had the they had the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They had the Department of Justice. They had the federal government's law enforcement department at their disposal 
and they were using it based on the nonsense that was put into this dossier by a bunch of liars, by a bunch of liars who were creating something. It was just a they made it up. They made it all up. Well, and I tell you what, if the government, if the FBI, if the government's law enforcement division can just go after private citizens like this based on this kind of hearsay, that should scare everybody. I mean, what, where's the Fourth Amendment? Where, where, where's the protections that we're supposed to be afforded here by the Constitution? If the government goes, oh, hey, look, here, this is given to us by the Clinton campaign. It's a, it's a dossier. Is it real? Yeah, it's real. Okay, start spying on people. Start investigating people. Destroy their lives and destroy their careers and almost destroy a presidential campaign. That's amazing. Think about what these people almost accomplished here. This is uh, Representative Jim Jordan talking about this on uh, on Fox News earlier today. Some of the revelations, of course, Jim Jordan's been on the epicenter of this. Congressman Gordon uh, Jordan, he's been great at firing back and trying to hold these people accountable. Take a listen. A big development in the special counsel John Durham's investigation now, and of course, still looking into the origins of the Trump-Russia probe. Federal agents have arrested a Russian yeah. national who was a key source for a former British spy, Christopher Steele's widely discredited dossier. Break it down for us, Congressman. Well, I think it's important to understand this indictment and the one that happened uh, a few weeks back with Mr. Zussman. Both of these are not about these individuals lying to John Durham and his investigative team. They're about the original lies they told back in 2016 and 2017 to the FBI that started this charade that was the Trump-Russia investigation. So Durham is going to the source when it all began. And both of these individuals, Zussman and Danchenko, have ties to the Clinton campaign. So I think it's interesting. You know, it was all it was President Trump who was working with Russia. That was baloney. But in fact, it was the Clinton campaign who was cozying up to Russia and people who had influence with Russia. That to me is the irony of all this. So I'm actually encouraged that we're actually going to hold people accountable who did wrong and put our country through this three-year ordeal that was based on garbage dossier and the garbage information that Zussman took directly to the FBI. I hope he's right. But here's the other question, though. Why was it ever allowed to get to this point? Why was it ever allowed to get to this point? That's what I can't figure out. I know that these people lied to the FBI, and, and, and they told them that all this was true. I get it. I understand that. But we're talking about spying on American citizens here. We're talking about using the, the power of the federal government, powers that we gave them to protect us from, from, from terrorists, basically, to, to go against American citizens on a, on a presidential campaign. And then to make everybody believe that Trump was was at the mercy of Russia, that Putin controlled him, that that Putin was was dangling the strings because of this this Fugazi dossier. What was the involvement in the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Justice Department? What did they know? It doesn't seem to me like they were trying to stop it. It doesn't seem to me like Peter Strzok and Lisa Page were particularly concerned with making sure all this was accurate. So while I understand these people lied to the FBI, I get that point. But is that enough of an excuse then because they lied to them? I mean, these are supposed to be federal agents. These are supposed to be top prosecutors, right? So they lie and then they, they, this massive investigation opens up and never ends? At no point do they turn around and go, I think this is a bunch of BS. I think this is a bunch of BS. I mean, we're not talking about the Keystone Cops here. We're talking about the FBI, right? And let's not forget something else, too. But apparently now other intelligence agencies were also involved in this investigation. So because of the lies that these two guys told, they duped everybody, everybody in our in our national law enforcement apparatus. Really? I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. They're not that inept. No, they're not. People see what they want to see in life.
They see what they want to see in life. And in this case, they wanted to stop Trump. So they saw this dossier and they went, oh, good. Let's let's pursue it. Let's investigate it. Not let's investigate whether or not it's real. Let's investigate the claims inside it to bring down Trump. Big difference. Not let's investigate whether or not the allegations in this are accurate so that we can figure out whether or not we need an investigation. Nope. Let's prove what's in the dossier. Let's go investigate for the purposes of proving what's in this dossier. And that is the biggest crime of all, if you ask me. This is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. Coming right back. Mark Levin. is that here's this political campaign, Clinton campaign, feeds bogus intel to the FBI. The FBI then uses that intel and then turns around and spies on American citizens for the purposes of, I think, affecting a political campaign, Trump's campaign. That's it. I just laid it all out for you right there. That's what happened. And you realize now this dossier, this 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 bogus dossier, this this lie, this this lie, Christopher Steele lie was the absolute basis of the entire investigation. There's no dossier. There's no investigation. The dossier is that critical. But here's the other part of this, though, and don't don't get distracted by this. It's obvious that Durham is trying to say that, you know, had these guys not lied to the FBI, the FBI might have been able to actually ascertain, blah, 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 blah. But they knew the dossier was BS. They came to that conclusion pretty quickly, and yet there were still all these warrants that flew around. There was still all this spying that occurred. There was still all this why. Why? It's not as if really people did believe the veracity of the dossier, even without this guy's lying to them. This guy, Denshenko, lying to the FBI. So why did all this happen? See, and this is where I hope Durham goes next. Who in the upper echelons of power at the FBI and the DOJ ignored the fact that the dossier was garbage? Ignored it and, and, and said, let's let's pursue it anyway. Or knew it was garbage, but pretended otherwise because they wanted to just make everybody think it was true by investigating it. In other words, the investigation gives it the the uh, um, the chops. You know, the investigation itself gives it the credence. The investigation gives it the uh, the air of being um, real. Because why would they investigate if it wasn't real? So the investigation equals authenticity. So I want to know that too. How could anybody believe the stuff that's in that dossier? It's it's a joke. I mean, it's a joke. So you tell me the most some of the most trained, highly intelligent investigators in the world are people. They got duped by this whole thing, by this guy Danchenko, and really. Call me crazy. I'm not buying it. This is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. Your thoughts, your calls, coming right up. with a warning label, The Liberals, The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. It is The Mark Levin Show. The great one will be back with you on Monday. But don't forget, brand new episode of Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday night. Fox News Channel. Don't miss it, okay? It's very important. But it's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one tonight. Always fun to be with you. I'm your fellow Levinite from Philadelphia. But Mark's got some great guests coming up this Sunday night. 
Representative Kevin McCarthy and former Virginia Governor George Allen will join Mark on Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News. And there'll be a lot to talk about, obviously, particularly with Virginia, but particularly how the Democrats are not learning anything and how they just continue to just double down on calling everybody a racist. Even the new lieutenant governor of Virginia, they're calling her a racist, too, which is amazing because she's the first black woman elected statewide in the history of the Commonwealth. And yet they're still calling her a racist. These people really never learn, do they? And that's the reality here. I mean, the reason why they did this whole dossier thing, the whole reason why they did this is because they they knew they couldn't win. Their ideas are not popular. Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate. So they made up a a Russian thing. They made up a dossier. They fed the FBI fake uh, information, and then the FBI launched this big investigation. The only question, like I said, is who in the FBI said, let's go with this? So I just got to have more faith in them than that. I really do. But, you know, there's a lot of sleazy political people, people like Peter Strzok and people like Lisa Page. Very, very sleazy. Very political. No problem using government to get what they want. No problem using government to advance their own political causes. That's for sure. 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show. Let's take some calls, shall we? Why don't we start with Nancy in Dallas, Texas. Nancy, hi. It's me, Rich, in for Mark tonight. Oh, Nancy, I think your radio's on. Nancy, you there? Okay. Go ahead. Am I on? You are. Hello. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? I was, uh, my concern was since they know that uh, all these people were cheating and lying and the FISA warrant they knew was unwarranted, is there any way that uh, the, citizens, uh, the citizens could hold them accountable and them have to pay back from all the money that they made off of that, you know, their, their books, et cetera, and hold them like for um, that they have to pay restitution? It'd be nice if they had to reimburse the taxpayers for the, what, $60 million that this whole investigation has cost us, right? Well, 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 that, well, that's what they do. You know, they make money. They keep their people employed, just like what they're doing now with, uh, with, with the illegal. So, you know, sure. wanting that money, that's ACLU. They're, they're, uh, they're making the money. Follow the money. How much money is uh, ACLU going to get off of that settlement if they give that to them? Well, I always say the lawyers always win. You know, that's always the thing that seems to be consistent with all this stuff, right? Oh, God, it's terrible. <laughs> so, I don't think they actually will pay us back, though, Nancy. It's a it's a great idea. It's a wonderful thought, and you're a sweetheart for being optimistic about it, but um, I know you're tongue-in-cheek because you know it's never going to happen either. So, But we can hope that there'll be justice for these people. That's all we can hope for. Yeah, well, that, you know, that, that's kind of hard to imagine while they're still there. But, you know, they're going to try and, and, and steal you know, as fast as they can, you know, because they know 2022 is coming. <laughs> I know. Nancy, thank you. Thanks for calling the Mark Levin Show. Appreciate it very much. Have a great night. I'm I'm just waiting for them to shut down Durham's investigation at this point. I really am. I, I can't believe they're letting it go on. That's what amazes me in all this. Um, they approved the funding, obviously, so it's good till the end of the year, but the end of the year is coming up pretty quick. So if I were Durham, I'd get cracking here because... <laughs> I got a feeling that the more this goes on, you know, they're going to be he's going to be aiming at people at the top. And the one thing about the bureaucracy, right, the Leviathan, as Levin calls it, is that they will circle the wagons to protect each other. You know that you know that And if this looks like it's going to go as high up as we think it's going to go. Would anybody be surprised if in on, let's see, December 31st of 2021, they turn around and go, oh, you know, what? here's the thing. 
Durham. We're just, we're out of cash. We're out of money. Love for you to keep going. But you know what? You got a couple guys. Good for you. Feel good about this. Thanks a lot. Here's a mug. You know, like a souvenir mug. Yay. Great job. I don't know. I hope it doesn't happen, but nothing would surprise me these days. Nothing would surprise me in the least. Mike is in Fairfield, California. Mike, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Good afternoon, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. Got it. Um, what a sweet week. Um, there's one name I've yet to hear come through all this business about the dossier. Uh, Mark Elias being head of Perkins Coie, of course, the middleman between Fusion GPS and the, and the uh, Clinton campaign. Um, do you expect to hear his name at all in any of this? Well, I, I don't know. I can't speak to that, obviously. I don't know what I don't know. But um, I, I'll put it to you this way. There's clearly a small group of very connected Democrats and power brokers who all seem to be at the epicenter of everything here. And it's it's almost like a like a giant Ferris wheel going around and they're on and they're off and they're on and they're off again. But at the end of the day, they're, they're all working on the same team. So not, I'll put it this way, Mike, nothing would surprise me. Wasn't the fellow Sussman that was indicted a few weeks ago, wasn't he also connected with Perk Cohen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, I thought so. Um, by the way, I happen to agree with you or tend to agree with you about the, the length of the investigation. I think the closer it gets to Hillary Clinton, the sooner it will shut down. Uh, but that's just speculation, of course. Yeah, well, listen, I, I, I tend to feel your uh, – I tend to share that prediction, by the way. Mike, thanks for the call, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a good night. 877-381-3811. Yeah, you never – got to be careful not to ever, obviously, accuse somebody of something on the air because, you know, there's uh, things about that. But I just – I'm just saying that clearly we know that high-profile people in the Clinton campaign were at the epicenter of this. I just want to know how, hard, how how high it goes, how far it goes. But this is a real serious allegation that these people were lying to the FBI. I mean, they're making it up, right? They're making up the allegations in the dossier. They're lying to the FBI about the allegations that they made up. But come on, you're telling me the world's most trained investigators can't see through that nonsense? See, that's the part that bugs me. I I don't know. Maybe, look, maybe I've seen too many movies. But in my mind, I got to believe that they were able to see. They eventually did. They eventually saw through this, even with those guys lying to them. And yet... We have all of this that happened. So how did it happen? That's the part I still can't figure out. I think I know, though. I mean, my my suspicion is, and probably your suspicion, too, which is that people within the Department of Justice, the, the, the very high up, they wanted that dossier to be used against Trump no matter what. They didn't care if it was accurate or not. That wasn't part of it. It was just a matter of using it. Use this. Bring this guy down. Use these allegations. Prove the allegations are true. Don't prove the dossier is true. Don't prove that the allegations are worthy of investigation. Just go investigate them because the investigation itself makes it true. Why would they investigate if it wasn't true? Right? I mean, people say dumb things all the time like, well, if you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to fear. No, actually, you have a lot to fear. If the government decides they're going to use its powers against you for political purposes, you have a lot to fear. We see this. We've seen it before. In this particular case... Well, we know they eventually come to the conclusion that the dossier is a steaming pile of garbage, but they didn't at, at that. Uh, yeah, they talked to these guys and these guys were that good. This Danchenko was just that good. He was able to, to pull it over on the FBI. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Charles is in Two Rivers, uh, Wisconsin. Hey, Charles. Yeah, uh, we have seen it before. We've seen it in 
history. You ever hear of an organization called the Brown Shirts? They enforced political policy and political agendas for an organization in Germany called the Nazis. Right. Well, we're all familiar with it, but let, let's focus on, on this situation right now because, I mean, this is happening in our country, right? Right. So, no, I tell everyone I know, don't trust the FBI. 17 times. Well, I don't think we need to compare them to the Nazis, but I think it's important to realize, though, that whenever a government uses police powers for political purposes, that's what a police state is, right? Absolutely. So 17 times to a judge for a political agenda. They have evidence that would um, basically play directly in and for the defense of Kyle Rittenhouse. Aerial drone footage withheld intentionally from the trial. Uh, You're not very good about staying on point here, man. Let's talk about let's focus on the dossier. All right. Yeah. Okay. So the dossier, real simple. You know, you have to verify the procedure to follow. They just didn't follow it. All right. Thank you for the call, Charles. Appreciate it. 877-381-3811. I think, too, what's also interesting is that the Democrats love to use uh, the federales, don't they? They do. They love it. They love it. They love the stormtroopers. They love all of it. They love it. They do. They it's for them. It's always about you'll notice, too, whenever they have the defund the police stuff, whenever they do that, they always love to expand the powers of federal law enforcement. Always. Every department. I mean, the IRS, the EPA, all of it. They love to do it. Love it. And they love the idea of being able to centralize all law enforcement powers under them. That's what they love. They love to do that. And it's very, very obvious, too, from when the IRS started going after and spying on conservatives to what they wanted to do recently with the $600 in your bank account to $10,000 in your bank account. But this is really troubling because you got to expect better, right, from the FBI agents who were there. you got to expect better than this. But then we also find out other stories that the FBI was relying on their own informants to create the plot, for example, to kidnap uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And I, I, we're all wondering how many... FBI informants were involved in January 6th. So we're trying to understand that, too. You see, it, it, it's the point of, of, of we've got people in Washington. We've given them a lot of power, right? We, we, we have ceded a lot of liberty to them under the guise of protect me, keep me safe. And then they turn around and they go, okay, thank you for this. Now we're going to use it, weaponize it, and use it politically. And that's exactly what happened here with this. It's exactly what happened. I mean, FISA is in place to protect us from people that are that are working with foreign governments to try to hurt the United States of America. That's not what happened here, except that the Clinton campaign did. That's exactly what the Clinton campaign did. The Clinton campaign worked with Russia to try to bring down Donald Trump because they, they worked with these Russian people who made up lies and then they put into a dossier and turned that dossier over to the FBI. So if anyone was working with the Russians, it was Hillary Clinton. If anyone was working with the Russians, it was it was her. It was her campaign. That's that's the real scandal here. That's the real scandal. No doubt about it. Uh, Neil, you're on the Mark Levin show. How you doing? What's up, Neil? Hey, thank you for taking my phone call. Hey, hey, the real person that just got hurt by all of this is Donald Trump. He came out. She came out strong in this whole factor, and uh, you know, and. Uh, Everybody just against him, and um, he came strong, and and the, you know, and no one's talking about that. Everybody's talking about uh, Hillary Clinton and all that, and, and you know, the strong guy came out of it, and uh, he denied it from the start. 
Yeah, look, I mean, Trump almost lost because of all this, right? I mean, he almost lost his presidency, almost came to, to a crashing halt. Uh, they, they tried to impeach him. They tried to remove him from office. This, very serious what was almost done to a president of the United States of America. That's what I mean. You want to talk about an insurrection, Neil, and thank you for the phone call. Thank you. Have a good night. If you want to talk about an insurrection, here's your insurrection. I mean, here's your coup. This is what they were trying to do, was they were trying to do a coup against the president of the United States. They were trying to stop a guy from winning. Then when he won, they were trying to to make everybody turn against him, try to drive his, grind his presidency into a complete neutral. And then they tried to remove him, all based on these lies that were in this dossier, lies that were told in coordination with the Clinton campaign and Russians and fed to the FBI, who then willingly went along with it. Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, whoever else up there went along with it. That's amazing. Think of what they almost accomplished here. Think about what they almost accomplished. They almost got away with this. What I can't understand, though, is, is well, I mean, I can, but, you know, if you actually cared about civil liberties, you know, if you're somebody on the left who, who pretends to care about civil liberties, why does this not terrify you? How easy it is, think about this, how easy it is to trick the FBI into investigating people on a presidential campaign. Doesn't that concern you? I know it concerns you. I'm saying if you're, if, if, if you're somebody on the left, if you're somebody who's a big rah-rah civil liberties person, think about that. You can just fool the FBI into launching investigations on people based on a crappy fake dossier. Really? That's how easy it is? It's all you got to do? So if we want to bring down our enemies, instead of doing the opposition research, we'll create the opposition research and just feed it to them. Let them go investigate. I mean, that's a little bit scary, is it not? Just that simple. Just dial up the phone number and go, I got this dossier here, here. And then they'll just investigate. I have to think there's got to be a, a, a check against this, no? And it's got to be more than just this guy being able to dupe the FBI agents. There's got to be some other stopgap measure here before we go and infiltrate a presidential campaign and start spying on American citizens. I would like to believe that. I believe the Bill of Rights would like us to believe that. But clearly we have got people that don't care about that. We've got people that are willing to use whatever powers we give them under the guise of keeping us safe for political purposes. That's playing out. Where's the ACLU on this? Quiet as usual. Not going to say a word. Bunch of hacks, bunch of hypocrites. It is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. It's great to be with you tonight. Taking your thoughts and your calls. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. to these vaccination mandates, these uh, absurd, unconstitutional, unnecessary vaccine mandates are just absolutely destroying uh, so much of the economy, really. And, and and for what purpose, too? For what purpose? It's it's ridiculous. So we'll talk about that in the third hour. And I know that Mark has spent a lot of time on the fact of how they're unconstitutional and why they're illegal. But I also want to focus on the damage, the real damage that's being done because of these vaccine mandates. And still, got to ask the question. Why? Why? And I think the answer is very, very simple, because the Democrats love a good culture war. Do they not? They love it more than anything. They love a good culture war. They love to have us divided. They love to have us fight with each other. They love it. It's their favorite thing to do. It really is. Well, because you remember, they were all against vaccination mandates 10 minutes ago. And now you're, you're, you're a terrible person if you're not along for the ride. 
It's just it's just another way to divide. It's what they do. They do it all the time. They really do. It's it's uh, never ceases to amaze me. Let me grab another call on this dossier, though, stuff. Let's do this with uh, Roland is in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Hey, Roland. Uh, hey, I uh, appreciate the chance to speak with you. Thank you, uh, sir. I have a... I have a uh, a question and a challenge to the uh, pollsters out there. I'd like to know if there's any way to get some idea of how many people chose to vote Democratic tickets in the uh, or de- vote for Democratic candidates in the mid midterm elections in 2018, just because they wanted to vote against Donald Trump because of this Russia collusion garbage. That's a great point. Yeah, it's a great it's a great I mean, point I, you make. I, I really feel like that election was swayed completely by this garbage. Yeah, and that it had ramifications in elections after that, and and still has ramifications because you know as well as I do, Roland. There are people that are not going to believe this anyway. It's not like it's going to change their mind on this. Yeah, um, that's true. I mean, I I didn't believe the Russia collusion garbage, but because it was just so outrageously stupid. Yeah. Uh, Got to run, sir. Thank you. It's an excellent point you make to round out the hour here. Coming up, hour number three, vaccine mandates and the damage that they're causing as the Democrats ratchet up the culture war. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. Coming right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. The left continues its war on free speech, this time targeting people who say, let's go, Brandon. That's right. Good evening. Welcome to the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. It's me, Rich Zioli, in with you. Great to be here. Your fellow Levinite from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia, where I host a show on WPHT and also do a podcast every afternoon as well. Subscribe to it, please, if you would. Z-E-O-L-I. You could just search for it. Uh, this Let's Go Brandon thing is funny to me. It cracks me up. But what's also amazing is how the left doesn't have a sense of humor. I think we all know that, obviously. And now they're trying to go after it because it's speech they don't like and that's what they do. They try to make anybody a criminal if they're saying things they don't like. It's what they do all the time. And so this time now they're treating it like it's criminal hate speech. Oh, and did you hear that guy, Joe Lockhart, is a CNN analyst who compared Let's Go Brandon to the Nazis, the Klan and ISIS? Did you? You probably heard that, right? So he tweeted this out. You know who also had coded statements like Let's Go Brandon? ISIS, the Klan, the Nazis. Are you starting to get the point? By the way, this is also why I'm very hesitant to use Nazi comparisons, because the left does it all the time to us. But anyway, it's also usually devoid of any logic, like in this case right here. Joe Lockhart, you know, who also had coded statements like Brandon. Now, you know, the Let's Go Brandon thing, if you don't know where it started, it started because uh, people were chanting, you know, F Joe Biden at a race. And then the reporter said, oh, listen to this. They're chanting, let's go, Brandon. That's how it got started, because it's really a joke about fake fake news as much as it's about a joke about Joe Biden really is. And yet it's been it's been funny. But instead of them laughing at it because they can't, they have to turn around and try to get people arrested. And this is what they're doing now. 
I mean, they're actually weaponizing speech against people who are saying this because how dare they? How dare they insult their president? How dare they? And, you know, it may not be a classy thing to say, but who cares? I mean, what's it? That's free speech doesn't have to be classy. Free speech is just speech. It doesn't have to be classy. You don't have to like it. That's the whole point. I mean, First Amendment's there to protect speech you don't like. It's there to protect speech that isn't classy. That's why we have it. Otherwise, what would be the point, right? So they have this um, Southwest Airlines pilot. You've probably heard of this guy, right, who said, let's go, Brandon. Before he took off, he kind of muttered it under his breath. And they wanted to do an investigation on the guy. Southwest promised to get to the bottom of this. They said, we will not allow political statements. Political statements? What if the guy had a friend named Brandon? I mean, is that pos- it's certainly a possibility, is it not? He might just know someone named Brandon and might just want to be saying, let's go, Brandon. But beyond that, too, beyond even wanting the investigation into the Southwest Airlines pilot for saying that, they also said this now. They said uh, this was Asha Rangapi on on Twitter who said, as an experiment, I'd love for a Southwest Air pilot to say long live ISIS before taking off. My guess is that the plane would be immediately grounded. The pilot fired at a statement issued by the airline within a matter of hours. See, now, if you can't figure out the difference between let's go ISIS and let's go Brandon, I don't know what to tell you, but you're clearly a leftist. I mean, there's no other way around it. You're just clearly a leftist. So that's not the only triggering, of course, that occurred. Juliet Kayum, who's a Harvard professor, said the passengers on that flight should file complaints with the Federal Aviation Administration because their ears had to hear something they don't like. This uh, this Harvard person said, uh, if Southwest Air doesn't do anything, every passenger on that flight has standing to file a complaint with the FAA, and they should do so. Southwest will then be compelled to investigate or defend the pilot. Have fun with that. No messing around in the air. Bright line rule. So... I mean, you know, a lot of times pilots and the uh, the flight attendants make jokes and they're doing the whole, you know, how to how to buckle in the seatbelt thing that they still have to they, they think they have to teach us still to this day. And a lot of times they do it to make it fun and you know joke around. They dance sometimes, right? They sing songs. They make little comments. Nobody's ever really gotten upset by it. <clears throat> but of course, now let's go. Brandon is now synonymous to the fact that Joe Biden's a failure. That's really what it comes down to. He's failing at everything. They know that. There was this Democrat who spoke uh, anonymously today, and he said. Uh, he's almost to the point of chanting, let's go, Brandon, now things are that bad. Because that's what it comes down to. Chris Hahn, who's a pol- progressive political strategist, he accused the pilot of sympathizing with terrorists, the pilot of the plane, the pilot of the Southwest plane, of sympathizing with terrorists, by the way. <laughs> and um, it also kind of sounded a little bit like he might have said, let's go, Braves. That's the other thing, too, is that the Braves were in the World Series. I mean, there was, of course, the left accusing everybody of the racist chant you know, and the, and the chop. And there was that, too. But it's also possible that the pilot might have been saying, let's go Braves. It's hard to tell. But I don't think that would have been any better. Since Trump went to the Braves game and did the chop, that probably would have even been worse, actually. They might have grounded the, the plane just for that, for saying the racist word Braves. It's very hard to keep up with these people. It really is. But let's go Brandon is is political speech. It's protected speech. It's satire it's parody it's it's uh tongue-in-cheek it's all these other things then there was uh there was something that was emblazed on an assault rifle and it was a it was a funny thing it wasn't like a like a threat but someone asked the secret service whether the it was a reporter for nbc news i i called to ask the secret service whether they will consider the f joe biden emblazed on the assault rifle to represent a security threat to the president 
It's a meme, a Let's Go Brandon meme. And now they're calling the Secret Service over. So see, this is what happens. There's a guy down in Florida. He's not in a condo development or anything, as far as I can tell. But the town is finding him $50 a day if he doesn't take down his Let's Go Brandon banner. Now, at the same time, the left loves to call everybody a racist. Everybody's a racist, including the new lieutenant governor of the state of the Commonwealth of Virginia, who is the first black woman elected statewide in the history of the Commonwealth. And she is a Republican. Now, remember, the outgoing governor, Ralph Northam, is the guy who put shoe polish on his face to make himself look like he was black when he sang karaoke. He's also the guy that posed with some dude in a Klan outfit, although we're not sure which one is which. But that guy's leaving. And she's going to be going into the governor's executive office as lieutenant governor. But nevertheless, she's somehow the racist in all this. She's somehow the person who's being, you know, the strings are, the strings are being pulled. This is um, Michael Eric Dyson on MSNBC. How, how you're allowed to say this stuff is amazing to me, this kind of horrible stuff that's said about people. But, you know, this is how the left thinks they're going to win hearts and minds by, again, insulting people, maligning them, calling them horrible names and accusing everybody of being a racist. It's what they do. It's what they do best. Take a listen. They want credit for breathing. They want credit <laughs> for having love. They want credit for having hair in the morning or getting up and brushing their teeth. Look, I've made an achievement that should be noteworthy. No, you are doing what uh, all political figures must do. Make choices. The problem is here they want they want white supremacy by ventriloquist effect. There is a black mouth moving, but a white idea through the running on the runway of the tongue of a figure who justifies and legitimates uh, the white supremacist practices. We know that we can internalize in our own minds, in our own subconscious, in our own bodies, the very principles that are undoing us. So to have a black face uh, speaking in behalf of a white supremacist legacy is nothing new. And it is to the chagrin of those of us who study race that the white folk on the other side and the right wingers on the other side don't understand this is politics 101 and this is race not even 101 what's beneath 101 it's the it's the pre-k of race you should understand the fact that if you tell black people look i support a negro look there is a person of color that i am in favor of and that person of color happens to undermine and undercut and subvert the very principles about which we are concerned you do yourself no service by pointing to them as an example of your racial progressivism. So in that sense, they need to have a lesson in critical race theory so that they can understand what critical race theory is. And Joy, we know this. First of all, they they ain't critical. They ain't run a race in a long time that's meaningful in terms of our people, and they ain't got no theory. Critical race theory, we know, comes from critical theory. The word critical in theory means let's be on the side of those who need to be emancipated for things that are imposed upon them that enslave them. That's all it means, and they've invented an entire a universe of meaning out of that one word. So does critical race theory exist or not exist? I can't figure this out. Because one, one day they say it's all made up as a dog whistle to get white parents to vote. And then the next day they turn around and explain why they need to have critical race theory taught in schools. I can't figure this out. What I do know, though, is that instead of the Democrats figuring out that they really screwed this up 
by calling you racist every day. They're just doubling down on the fact that you're a racist. And now if you're a black Republican and you've just been elected in Virginia, you're still a racist. This time you're just, you know, the, the white supremacists are just pulling your strings because you know, clearly you can't think for yourself. It's one of the most racist things I've ever heard. But, you know, you're allowed to say it on MSNBC. I mean, it's Joy Reid of all people. So clearly she has her own history of saying horrible, hateful things about people. And she gets a primetime gig on MSNBC. It must be nice. But think about it now. Throughout the country, we just watched school board elections where moms and dads fired up, decided now they're going to do something about it. And they did. And they won. And they're winning big time throughout our country. Let's take uh, let's take Virginia, for example. It was one of the key points of that last election, was it not? Here he had Terry McAuliffe come out and say, parents, you really should not get a say in your kids' education. So zip it. We'll tell you what to teach your kids. We'll tell you. All right? You just sit in the back. And if you say anything at the meetings, we're going to call you a domestic terrorist and have you carted out of here. So parents said, uh, no, actually, no, we're not, we're not doing that. I almost fell out of my chair. CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell actually was interviewing moms in Virginia who said, there's one mom is like, I've never voted Republican before, but I'm voting for, I just voted for Glenn Youngkin because I'm tired of them telling me what, what to do with schools. I'm, I'm tired of it. And whether it's critical race theory or vaccine mandates or masks in schools or, or anything else, uh, we want to have a say in what goes on in our kids' lives in school. We, we want to have a say in all this stuff. But again, it goes back to the whole thing of they don't think you're smart enough. They don't think you're smart enough. You, you are an idiot. That's how they view you. So they're the ones who will get to decide what to teach your kids, and it's indoctrination. And because you may want to speak up against the indoctrination, and they know better than you why your kids should be indoctrinated. You just heard him say it in that clip. Then shut up, or we're going to call the FBI on you. Don't you stand up and speak. So anyway, so then you have the attorney general, you know, who says to the FBI, all right, we want you to start listening in on these school board meetings, which has a chilling effect on speech and makes parents want to just stay home. But actually, the opposite happened. Thankfully, parents said, no, uh, this is the final straw. And now we're all coming out. Pennsylvania is another great example of that, where you had hundreds of people elected to school boards, literally on the premise of keeping kids in school. That was the name of the organization. A good friend of mine, Clarice Schillinger, she ran this organization in Pennsylvania. She's still in charge of it, and she did an amazing job getting hundreds and hundreds of candidates on the ballot elected in Pennsylvania for school districts. Now, those same parents in 2022 in Pennsylvania are going to stay active and involved, and those same parents are going to be voting Republican. Because there's no way you're going to run for school board on the idea of having control over your kids in the classroom and then turn around and pull a lever for a Democrat. You're not going to do it. So people like Clarice are changing the state of Pennsylvania, which then in turn is going to change our country, because as more and more parents wake up to this stuff and get involved and actually step up and run and be part of the school boards, for example, then the more we can change things, the more likely it is that they'll stay involved in the process politically on every single level. Same thing happened in Jersey, too. Moms and dads who were never engaged before got fired up, did something about it. My buddy Josh Akins, he has this whole group in New Jersey. Same thing. They organized all these people. Rise NJ, it's called. They all, they all were, were organized. They ran candidates up and down the ballot. It's a beautiful thing to see. But they've done something here. They've woken the sleeping giant. They have. You can only get kicked around so much, called a racist and called an idiot and all the other things that the, the left constantly does to people. And the other thing, too, is the vaccination mandates with the kids. Now, you may decide you want to vaccinate your kids, but that's a decision you want to make. It's not a decision you want the state making for you. And that's a big thing, too, that's playing out. Mark my words on this. 
And by the way, just for the record, the New Jersey governor's race is not has not been decided yet. The Associated Press called the race, but that's who cares? They made a prediction. It's like me making a call in the Eagles game tomorrow. I can I can predict it, which, by the way, I'm terrible at because I'm not very good at sports. But it's a prediction. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen. That's literally what they did here with that race in New Jersey. The counting's still going on. It may not be, it may be where the King Phil Murphy wins re-election, but Jack Cittarelli is not out of this. He's still going here. All right, we got a lot more to talk about here on the Mark Levin Show. Your thoughts, 877-381-3811. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, coming right back. Mark Levin. is amazing to watch really amazing and you know like in uh, in clarissa's example that i mentioned earlier in pennsylvania just a mom just got fed up said enough is enough i'm doing something rolling up my sleeves and then hundreds and hundreds of uh, of candidates later school board elections throughout the state of pennsylvania uh it's an amazing amazing job she is remarkable and what's happened now in the state that everybody's gonna be watching in 2022 with the u.s senate seat being vacated by outgoing senator pat toomey republican governor's race lieutenant governor's race and then of course all the house representative seats in the most watched state of pennsylvania moms and dads are fired up and all the democrats had to do was just you know shut schools down that's it that's simple. That's what it took. Kids being at the kitchen table and them shutting down schools. But they're so stupid, though, that they won't realize that and think, let's give parents a say. So watch for more and more of these vaccine mandates with kids. That's right. In uh, San Francisco, five-year-olds now have to walk around with vaccine passports. And that's coming to New York City, too. And all parents are saying is, hey, can we please be in charge? But again, if the Democrats... These lefties, they fully believe they're smarter than you. So they're always going to make these decisions. They're never going to let you make the decisions. They believe the state knows best. You don't. Come on. You, please. They know they're smarter than you. They'll decide. And it's it's sad. But the good news is, though, is that uh, it's a terrible strategy. I mean, James Carville himself came out and said it. He said this wokeism, they need a woke detox. It is so stupid what they're doing right now. And the biggest bunch of idiots are running this party, and they're people that are just not likable either. I mean, you hear that guy, Michael Eric Dyson on MSNBC, the way they're savaging the new lieutenant governor of Virginia, and you think to yourself, what's wrong with these people? Why, why are they just all the time constantly putting people down, mocking, belittling? And, and then at what point do they realize, gee, maybe this isn't a winning strategy? Yeah, well, at what point do they turn around and go, you know, in the whole uh, how to wins, uh, win friends and influence people, I, I don't remember Dale Carnegie writing a chapter that says insult everybody. Insult them, call them names, call them racist, and do it repeatedly, over and over and over again. And then when you lose and they reject you, do it even more. Double down on it. That's what they're doing, right? Literally doubling down on it. They're turning around and they're saying to people, oh, you didn't vote for us? It's because you're racist. No, maybe it's because you called us racist. Is that maybe a possibility or can you not process that they can't because they don't like you that's the problem they don't like you but that's good for us as we head into midterm elections believe me i'm okay with it i can handle it i'd rather win because i know that i don't want them to like me i'm not gonna like them so it's all good uh this is the mark levin show the great one's off tonight it's me rich zioli we're coming right back America. 
most powerful conservative voice. The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. Yes, it is the Mark Levin Show. Mark will be back with you Monday night. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you tonight. Thank you for hanging out with me. Appreciate it very much. You fell Levinite. Uh, 877-381-3811. So now we've got this federal vaccine mandate, which, of course, is now a joke. And I don't think it's going to hold up in court. But then again, it may. I don't know, because these days the courts have been completely just turning around and you just throw the word COVID out there and they go, oh, OK, OK. Uh, but this is not smallpox. We, we don't have 30 percent of the population dying in the streets. It's ridiculous that we're even at this place right now. But the Democrats love culture wars. It's all it is. Remember, for months and months and months, they spent time telling everybody that they could not and would not put in a federal vaccine mandate. What changed, out of curiosity? What changed? Nothing other than they just started losing at everything and they needed just another way to divide us. It's what they do. They do with everything. They're very good at it. So now you've got people who are quitting their jobs because of the vaccine mandate. And so we've got now an even bigger shortage of first responders and police officers, firefighters, doctors, nurses, very people literally been on the front lines of this pandemic since day one. A lot of them have had COVID already. They've got natural immunity. We don't talk about that. At the same time, all this is going on right now. We're turning around. The federal government's turning around and saying, uh, and if you don't go along with this, we're going to fine you $14,000 an employee. And you know what that's about, right? That's just that's just to give uh, employers cover, just to give them cover, so they have they can turn around and go, oh, it's not us, you know, we don't want to do this, but we have to because otherwise we'll get fined by the feds. It's really a joke. And so what's happening is people are saying, well, then I'm out, I'm done, I'm out, I quit, I'm leaving, not doing it. We just don't like to be told what to do when it comes to our health. We don't like to have the state force us to do anything. We just don't like the state forcing us to undergo medical procedures. And when you have a virus that's not killing 30% of the population, the argument for why it has to happen, I think, evaporates. But but again, what is it really about? Is it really about public health? Of course not. If it was about public health, this would have been something they did a long time ago. It would have been something that they said they were always going to do. No, it's about just making us fight. Just divide us. And then meanwhile, as we're all divided and arguing on Facebook about vaccine mandates, then they'll turn around and pass you know, $8 trillion of spending. Which, as I told you in the first hour today on the show, you're, 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 get, you're getting duped here with that, with this uh, state and local tax deduction, this whole thing that now they've agreed on, which apparently, apparently Pelosi and the Democrats may not still have the votes even with that. I'm learning right now. But nevertheless, uh, let's take some calls right now. Greg is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What a great city. Hey, Greg. It is a great city, Rich. How you doing? Uh, it, I'm is, doing all right. The call, call, good. The call screener. Isn't the irony oozing down like lava from a volcano? The got Trump kicked out of office with soccer moms and mothers and COVID. And now with all the uproar in the red wave with soccer moms, COVID, and critical race theory because the moms and the dads, because they weren't at work for COVID, the schools were shut down for COVID, were home finally took a look at the curriculum for these children and then they could not believe what they were reading and hearing and seeing and then they took took it up upon themselves to go in front of these boards and that was definitely as they say a grassroots movement and then that's that's just that's what started all this out and now people are behind it because this is affecting their family 
first degree. It's not down the down the food chain. It's first degree. When you start messing with moms and their babies and moms and their kids, now you started a whole new uh, a whole new problem. And I think that's the problem. That's what's going on for uh, just the red states and some of the blue states now. They got involved in our families a little too much. Yeah, well said, Greg. It's exactly right. It's funny, too. They they told us you shouldn't have a say in, in what your kids learn in school. But for more than a year, parents literally were the teachers at the kitchen table. Right, but you're not, but you're, but you're not allowed to say anything. Right, because right. Because it's all power grab because they are smarter than we are. And anything we say is not right. And the uh, one more thing to piggy bank on that, nobody now is afraid to be called a racist. And that used to be, the R word is what shut everybody down in politics. If you were branded a racist, you could never fight back. And I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't the biggest Trump fan in the beginning because I thought he was, you know, was a blowhard. But as it turns out, he was spot on. He was one of the first people to stand up and remember and say, why don't you give me a chance? You've been voting Democrat for 50 or 60 years or the power phrase, of course. And now a lot of politicians and a lot of people are finally have the courage to say, we just want to be left alone. We don't care what color you are, what language you speak. Just leave us in America, leave our lives alone and let us, we'll handle ourselves. We're smart enough to live our own life. We don't have to be told by somebody. So that, that goes all, this is all encompassing what's going on right now. And it's all starting. People are now pounding on the pavement. And that's a great thing. Greg, well said, my brother. You have a great weekend, buddy. Thank you very much. You're absolutely spot on. No doubt about it. It's true. You know, you, you can only call people a racist so many times so they go all right please enough already got it got it got it and just loses its luster completely and they throw it around so much like i said you're not dealing with very bright people here you know it's just very difficult to turn around and go wait a second did you just call the the woman who just won lieutenant governor of of virginia the black woman a racist you, you did that too i mean where does it stop where does it ever end and then you realize it just doesn't because you know again it's culture wars what they're doing uh ed is in hackensack new jersey ed good evening yeah rich um, let's see as a retired cpa i thought i'd talk about this uh, state and local uh, uh limitation on tax deduction go ahead assault mm-hmm. okay in the uh, in the Trump tax plan, it was very generous that what they did was they gave everybody an itemized deduction, married couple twenty four thousand dollars. Okay, that was what it was in exchange for. For the first time, renters got a tax break. Young couple trying to save for a house for years, they had to pay higher taxes. They had two incomes. And it, uh, it crimped their ability to uh, save enough money to buy a home. As Mark has been saying, okay, when the, the Democrats want to uh, set a higher tax rate for the rich people, they want to restore the state and local uh, uh, itemized tax deduction, okay, what they're doing is they're opening the door to come after the middle class. When we when this went through in 2017, 
I and my uh, my fellow professionals, we looked at this and we said, you know what? All in all, this is fine for two thirds of the people of New Jersey to have their uh, this salt deduction limitation and pick up that twenty four thousand dollar married uh, standard deduction. So actually, what I think the Democrats are up to is they want to lower the standard deduction and raise everybody's taxes. Well, yeah, I mean, it's maybe one of the things that they're doing. But like I said earlier, Ed, the what they're doing right now by getting the agreement to raise the threshold for what you can deduct on your taxes through state and local, that's to get the buy in of the Democrats in the moderate districts so that they could pass the massive spending bill. That's why they're doing this now. This is not something they're doing on a separate vote. This is now buried in the reconciliation bill. So, I mean, all this is, is great to, you know, have a philosophical conversation about, but it's, it's irrelevant. It's done entirely just to get their votes so that they can go back to their constituents in these moderate districts in these states, which happen to be uh, in the states where they are missing the salt deduction the most and say, look what I got done for you. That's why they're doing this. And it's completely cynical. And you need to know, everybody needs to know, you may get a bigger deduction, but you're going to be paying $8 trillion in new spending. It's a Trojan horse. Absolutely it is. Well said. Well said. And thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, 877-381-3811. Ryan is in Rockland, New York. Hey, Ryan. All right. Love the show. And... Uh, good evening, America. First of all, the hard left is, a, is really a cult. It's a cult of human misery. We know that. But you know what? We're going we're gonna to run out of voters. The Democratic Party manufactures voters. They bring them in from all over the world, voting Democratic. They got so many stuffed into California that they have some of the liberals running out of there into Texas, Arizona, Idaho, and they're going to flip those states. They're going to flip Florida. You know they're going to punish. You know they're going to punish Virginia for what they did Tuesday. They, I could just picture Biden and Harris driving those buses with all the illegal aliens in there. And they're, what they're doing right now is the Republican establishment, really the behind-the-scenes guys are trying to get you to finally accept the invasion of America. No matter what happened Tuesday, you know New York City, the mayor's election, come on. Democrats are going to win that forever. California, they're going to win forever. Don't ever let anybody brainwash you that you can change that. And it's always 150 years we have to wait. But the illegal aliens come in, they're giving them checks for a million dollars. Folks, you got to wake it up. Wake up. The military has to be put on that border, stopping illegal immigration cold. The military also will go after it. I don't give them no fancy name. They're drug dealers. The military will go right after them, squash them like little bugs. They're poisoning our children here in America. Anybody worried about that? Instead of cliches all the time. Then affirmative action will pull it. Race quarters will pull it out. All right, all right. Right, right. You're saying a lot. You're throwing a lot out there. All right, Ryan, thank you. I think some other callers in. Thank you. Let's have a good night. Appreciate it very much. All over the place, man. My head's spinning. My head's spinning here. All right. Uh, let's see. Jake is in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Jake, what's going on? Thanks, Rich. I actually you listen to you on 1210 every morning. Thank um, you, sir. So I, I want to talk about the vaccine. So Thomas Massey was just talking about this rolling definition of these vaccines. And before this changing definition, it wouldn't even be categorized as a vaccine. So, and I'm getting to something called GINA, the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act from 2008. It talks about advances in genetic technology with therapies and medicine. And this is that. It's, it's come to fruition. There's this mRNA vaccine 
delivers genetic instructions to your body so you can produce a spike protein. And then your body's immune system learns how to fight that spike protein so you get some level of protection from COVID-19. But it is an mRNA vaccine that, that teaches your body a new trick, so to speak, to build these proteins. And under GINA, J-I-N-A, it's a protected class from discrimination. It's the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act. And when this mandate is out from OSHA, these lawsuits should be including this. So, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania. It, it shouldn't apply. You're already federally protected. You shouldn't be able to be fired or treated differently at work based on this genetic information. Well, Jake, I'll, I'll definitely look into that. I appreciate it. I mean, it's uh, it's a it's I'm not obviously an attorney, so I can't really speak on it, but it's certainly an interesting point. And if Tom Massey's saying it, I mean, he's one of the best out there. So, thank you, Jake. Have a great weekend and uh, enjoy. Uh, and thank you for listening in the morning too. I appreciate that as well. And hopefully, in my afternoon podcast. Uh, all right, we get one more call in here before the break. Let's see here now. Don is in Loudoun County, Virginia, the epicenter of what have been now some of the biggest. Uh, school board elections in the country. Hey, Don. Yeah, this is John, J-O-H-N. I'm here in at basically ground zero. Uh, you know, I just want to mention a few observations, Rich, that, you know, uh, most people are not really mentioning. I mean, these Democrats, they're above the law. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's just unbelievable. They're not arrested. They're not prosecuted. Nothing happens to these people. Um, there's, there's almost a hidden hand uh, protecting these people. Um, they're, they're not arrested. They're not prosecuted. Uh, they commit heinous uh, state and federal uh, 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 violations of state and federal laws. Uh, I'm an engineer. I'm an aerospace engineer. I'm a first-generation American, uh, and my wife is as well. Uh, we are Arab Americans. Uh, uh, you know, we consider ourselves Caucasian, but um, you know, what happened here in Loudoun County is a red flag. I got 30 seconds, Don. Flag. Go ahead. People need to wake up. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. it. It is a red flag, and I think that people are waking up, Don. I do. I think that was evident Tuesday night. I think we saw it. Thank you very much for the call here to the Mark Levin Show. I think we saw it in, in Virginia. We saw it in Pennsylvania. We saw it in New Jersey, too. Uh, Democrats got, got, got shellacked in the state legislature. That's a big part of the story. You've heard about the guy, the conservative truck driver that took down the Democrat Titan, who was the president of the state Senate. That guy, a listener of mine, Ed Durr, good dude, truck driver, good guy. I mean, he's, you know. All right, we got a lot more to discuss here on the Mark Levin Show. Don't go away. Mark Levin. By the way, speaking of Philadelphia, our own call screener, Mr. Rich Valdez, will be uh, his podcast also plays on WPHT Sunday mornings. So set your alarm for that. Six o'clock on Sunday mornings or six thirty. We'll look it up. Richie will tweet it out. And uh, yeah, it's a big it's a big deal. So that's uh, Sunday morning, right, Mr. Producer? Six o'clock. Thank you very much. All right. 
and he'll tweet it. And we'll tweet it after the show, too. Look at that. And then uh, we'll, uh, you know, Monday, Mark will be back. So that's good. And that'll be that'll be a good thing. I think, too, tonight was a, a good lesson, too, in terms of thinking about uh, all this kind of tying together. The kind of stuff Democrats try to pull on Friday nights is amazing to me. This whole thing with the, this this deal they reached on this salt deduction and saying they have the votes, but then not really having the votes and the infrastructure and everything else. Uh, total scam. Total scam. But again, Friday night where everybody's going home for the weekend and doing their things this is what they always do. It's either they're they're dropping some news or they're doing something like this where everybody's not paying attention. But I'll tell you one thing, though. This weekend, you'll have to pay attention to the clocks changing because that's happening this weekend, even though I can't stand it personally. I don't know about you, but I need more daylight in the afternoon. That's what I want. I want more daylight in the afternoon. I want more sunshine in the afternoon. I think it's a critical piece so what we're missing in this country right now is more sunshine, more vitamin D, which also, by the way, there's a lot of correlation between your vitamin D levels and uh, your body's immunity to COVID-19. You know, it's something they don't talk about. So I'm just saying, you know, I understand the kids got to be at the school bus stop in the dark, but it's OK. Flashlights, they could play flashlight tag. I'm all right with it. Get a little sunshine in the afternoon. It's a good, good thing. So maybe at some point they'll change this. I don't know. I saw a Republican congressman from Utah has a bill in to at least give states the option to be able to get out of having the daylight savings time nonsense. But I don't know if it'll go anywhere or not, but who knows? Either way, obviously, there are some uh, some major, major fish to fry, as they say. The New Jersey governor's race is still not over. As I mentioned earlier, Jack Chitterelli, the Republican nominee, put out a statement to his supporters. They're going to count every vote. He's not conceding until they count all the votes. And just as a reminder, in 1981, the race between Tom Kane and Jim Florio was decided by 1,797 votes after 30 days of counting. Have a great weekend. Always fun to fill in with you. Thanks to Mr. Producer and Mr. Call Screener. It's me, Rich Zioli, signing off for the great one, Mark Levin. Have a great weekend. Please subscribe to my afternoon podcast from WPHT. I'd appreciate it. God bless you. God bless America. Thank you.